0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online packer.net.com. Find me on Twitter pack underscore dadam. So today the plan, anyways, because I do think this is going to take some time. We will see. It's PFF day, but not just what did they do in this game. We're gonna we're gonna go through that top to bottom like we usually do. But I also want to kind of do a year in review thing. Uh, we can obviously do this again after the playoffs. It might just be one game added, so we'll we'll just you know do a couple notes or whatever. But I want to really look at what did everybody do this year? Because, again, we kind of, we all sort of have footnote ideas, right? I mean, that was just, um, I forget who it was I called in last night, but it was about Brooks. And, and you know, he didn't really say anything about it, but it felt like the tone of it was, like, you need to be able to identify Brooks as, like, the guy. And I, I can't keep them straight because I don't remember which one's doing which, and they kind of alternate. They're a little bit different or whatever, but that's what I actually don't know. Like, w- which one does what again? And so I want to kind of take some time and look at it and say, okay, this is kind of their identity right now. So, you know, Brooks is the guy that's really not very good, but when he's good, he's freaking elite. Wooden is not elite, but he's more consistent. Um, And Brooks has been getting more opportunities, so the Packers certainly like uh, his ability more. So that, that would be sort of a a sample of of what I kind of want to dig in and do a little bit. We'll see how long this all takes. But again, I want to power through the PFF grades for the game, and then we'll see how much farther we can get through on our task of the day. But we'll start with special teams. Um, Christian Welch was the top guy, followed by Zane Anderson. So whatever. The only uh, sort of bad players, Josiah DeGuara, Eric Wilson, sucks to see him down there. Patrick Taylor and Benny Sapp. We good? Good. Moving on to the offense. The bad wasn't terrible, and there were only, depending on what you call bad, again, I like to go like 55-ish or below, and technically, because there's only one below a 55, there's only one bad player based on that metric, and that's Romeo Dobbs. And it was a 53.6, which is barely below average. By the way, hopefully Romeo is doing okay. Apparently he did go to the hospital, came back. I don't know exactly what's going on. I think the coach had made a comment to the something to the effect of his day-to-day. And again, I, I don't know anything official, but I keep hearing about him spitting up blood after that play. So otherwise, um, Ben Sims, 56. Patrick Taylor, 56. Malik Heath, 57. Josiah DeGuara, 59. Everything else was average or above, and there wasn't that much average. Sean Ryan, Yash Nyman, Zach Tom, Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, basically our entire offensive line. I mean, is it literally our entire offensive line? Left tackle is... Where is he? Oh, no. He was good. All right. Everybody else was was average. But we had nine players in the 70s or higher. Tucker Craft, 72.6. Jaden Reed, 73.3. Rasheed Walker, 76. Our highest graded offensive lineman because freaking why not um luke musgrave with his first game back with a 76.3 grade uh not only as a receiver but as a blocker his blocking grade was actually higher than tavian wicks 78 pff grade bo melton 78 pff grade aaron jones 80.4 john runyon oh sorry i forgot about john john coming through John Runyon with an 81 grade, and then of course, our highest graded offensive player is Jordan Love with an 83 PFF grade, and that's despite his 30 rushing grade because of the fumble, but he had a 90.3 passing grade, 84.4% completion percentage. I have no idea how they gave him an 84.4 adjusted completion percentage considering there were two drops and a throwaway in this game, but Whatever. But he had three big-time throws, which is 9.4%. I got to look at this real quick. I mean, we'll do this in the end, but his big-time throws have been, I mean, just the last two weeks, 9.4 this week, 12.1 the week before that. It's freaking ridiculous, 5.6 on the season. Cannot wait to revisit that because I haven't looked at that yet. Anyways, um, turnover-worthy plays, he did have two, which is 5.9%. That's relatively high. We know the one. I don't know what the other turnover-worthy play was. Time to throw was two point seven four seconds. One twenty eight point six passer rating. We already know that stuff. Pressures, man! Oh man, this guy is unbelievable under pressure lately. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking stunned. Uh, to be completely honest with you, he had a seventy eight point six overall grade, but an eighty seven point one passing grade. That's where he had the fumble with with no pressure. So with no pressure, twenty four completions, eighty two point eight completion percentage 270 yards and two touchdowns 87 grade um three big time throws two turnover worthy plays 128.4 passer rating under pressure which rarely happened it was 11.8 percent. that's got to be like a season low really i mean t- two weeks ago everybody was hyping up the offensive line it was like yeah i don't know about that this week for sure i'm on board 11.8 is stupid but of his three passing attempts, he was three of three for 46 yards and an 82.1 passing grade, 118.8 passer rating. Receiving grades, um, going to be similar to the overall grades that we already talked about, but Wicks was the highest, followed by Aaron Jones, 75.5, then Bo Melton, 72.5. Why does he have a higher grade? Because of the blocking. That's probably why. Jaden Reed, 72.4, Luke Musgrave, 70.6. It's amazing that we had five guys grading out really well as receivers. Tucker Craft also 67.3. Malik Heath and Romeo Dobbs, the only ones that were kind of negatives. And look, I, I don't want to get too hung up in this like, well, Romeo's no good and Malik's, you know, he's in the past. I think this is, I mean, we've seen this a lot with the Packers. There are some guys that sometimes they show up, they got two, three, four, five, six big games a year. I don't know what Malik Heath's future is with this team because there's so many guys, but I think Malik is the kind of guy that'll show up a couple times a year And just tear some stuff up. And I'm all right with that. I mean, you want your consistent contributors. Apparently, we got Wicks. We got Reed. Melton's been consistent in his little bit of time. Uh, Musgrave and Kraft seem like they're becoming consistent. I mean, we got a lot of guys that are fairly consistent, even if they're not necessarily elite. And then you got guys that'll just occasionally, like Romeo, just take over a freaking game and just dominate. Or Malik Heath or Christian Watson, honestly. He might have a couple games where, I mean, he's doing a great job stretching the field, but as a contributor, he's not doing much. And then there's games where he literally just, I mean, we're talking three, four touchdown games, just tearing the roof off. And to be clear, Dallas was, I mean, that was his big, his big moment with Rodgers. So it would be nice to have that happen again with Christian Watson coming back. Remember that first play of the game, shot play to Christian Watson, that was his redemption and he goes on to have, was it three touchdowns in that game? So, look, it wasn't a great game for Heath and Dobbs. Big whoop. And and Dobbs had one target in the game, I and mean, that was his only one. Who knows what he could have done with a full game. But looking at yards per route run, Jaden Reed 4.31. Good lord. Bo Melton 2.48 and Dontavian Wick's 2.26. Those are all really good. 4.31 is ridiculous. PFF did not credit any of them with drops, which I think is somewhat fair I don't know about the Bo Melton one I mean I I could understand with the one catch being kind of you know more of a defensive play maybe maybe the Bo Melton was too I don't know contested catches uh, there were seven opportunities the Packers caught four of them Aaron Jones had one then Tavian Wicks had two and Bo Melton had one Malik Heath and Romeo Dobbs were all for one which probably contributed to their grades and whatnot 14 first downs, there were three by Reed, Melton, and Dontavian Wicks. Those were the highest. Passer ratings, the highest was Dontavian Wicks, 142.6. The touchdowns obviously contributing to that. Rushing grades, 77.5 for Aaron Jones, 68.2 for Bo Melton, and a 30 for Jordan Love. It's it's really, uh, I don't remember if I've ever seen a game where there's just one running back. I mean, that that runs the ball. We saw, I think, Patrick Taylor, but apparently he didn't touch the ball as a runner even once, but heck of a game here. Five yards per attempt, seven missed tackles force. That's something the Packers, I've mentioned before, the Packers don't do very well in that metric. You might get one or two in a game. Bo Melton had three missed tackles force, and Aaron Jones had seven. We had 10 in this game by two guys. That's pretty shocking. Bo Melton, seven yards after contact per attempt. Aaron Jones, 3.82. And we'll just go to the offensive line here. Left tackle, Rasheed Walker. Um, I want to see how he's been doing here. So it's it's definitely been up and down. This is his, uh, well, one of his better games. It was his third best game of the year. He had, um, let's see, 76 pass blocking grade, 73 run blocking grade. I love when it's pass blocking and run blocking. I know that sounds obvious, but it's like, if you could do 70 and 70, I would almost take that over like a 90 and a 50. I'm good with a good pass blocker and a good run blocker. I love, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I love that we have just elite pass blockers. I just love seeing this. It's so rare and it's just refreshing. Elton Jenkins had a very Elton Jenkins type of day. Uh, Good to see he's back. And this is exactly what I'm talking about, which again, I appreciate an 88 pass blocking grade, a 58 run blocking grade is what it is. Uh, Center Josh Myers, uh, 69 pass blocking, 65 run blocking. I mean, basically good pass blocking, mid run blocking. It's fine, I suppose. Uh, Right guard, we had John Runyon and Sean Ryan rotating. Um, John Runyon had, I mean, the competition kind of lit a fire under him, apparently. A uh, 78 pass blocking grade and a 78 run blocking grade. I think that's by far, by far. Far his best day. Dude, I didn't even realize this. John Runyon doesn't have a single good game this year until that game. Not one. This is why I want to do the review. I, I shouldn't even, I should wait, but I had no idea that that was a thing. That's shocking to me. Um, Sean Ryan, 83 pass blocking, 55 run blocking. So pretty much any other game this year, Sean Ryan probably would have beaten out John Runyon, but. I would probably take John Runyon's performance in this game over Sean Ryan, although definitely admirable when you've got a really high pass blocking grade. I think it was the second highest on the team. Um, They split relatively evenly, 31 snaps for John Runyon and 29 for Sean Ryan. And then at right tackle, we had two different guys. Obviously, we kept seeing Yash Nyman come in. They actually played very similarly. Um, Zach Tom, 70 pass blocking, 62 run blocking. Yash Nyman, 71 pass blocking, and a 60 run blocking. So nearly identical. Zach Tom took 48 snaps compared to Yash and 12. And then I don't want to take a break yet. Let's rip through the defense because this other part's going to be the long part. Uh, the bad grades. Carrington Valentine, 54. Devontae Wyatt, 51. Kingsley and Igbari, 45. And Lucas Van Ness, 44. And, and I'll be honest, with a lot of these guys, I'm not even super mad at it. Um, so Lucas Van Ness had a 44 grade entirely because of run defense and yes, run defense is important. I get it, but his tackling is fantastic. His pass rush grade was perfectly fine. He had one pressure and one sack on just five attempts, bro. You got five attempts and you put the quarterback on his back. I'm just not mad at him. Now it's, you know, they're not using him a ton, but again, very willing to be patient with a very young, super high upside guy who actually is starting to get a lot of pressures and sacks especially down the stretch. Kingsley, I honestly have no idea why he has such a low grade. I I don't know what he did. Um, But he has a uh, 70 run defense grade, which is great. 72 tackling grade. 55 pass rush isn't fantastic, but it doesn't warrant a 45 overall grade. So somewhere in there, he did something awful. I checked his penalties. There's nothing there. But he does have one pressure on five attempts, which is beyond adequate. And then Devontae Wyatt... Um, it's another guy that's down there. It's all run defense and tackling. 45 run defense, 29 tackling grade. That's not good. It's not acceptable. But he had four pressures in a sack on just 10 attempts. That's stupid. That's almost 50% in a sack for his attempts. It's it's unbelievable. And I'm going to get into some of his stats as a pass rusher. This guy is a freak. He might just be a pass rusher. Maybe that's all he is. But maybe I'm going to just be okay with that. <laughs> Um, and Carrington Valentine also, you know, run defense was a 50 coverage was a 56, which is basically average. Eh. So I don't know, maybe I'm just in a good mood, but it just, none of that super bothers me. It's, it's young guys that are struggling against the run, but freaking dominate as, as pass rushers and contributed to, uh, Justin Fields hitting the turf on one quarter of his freaking dropbacks. Mediocre grades, you had Anthony Johnson and uh, Corey Ballantyne. They didn't play much, but they were in the mids. Keyshawn Nixon, 62. Jonathan Owen, 66. Rashawn Gary, 67. Preston Smith, 68. Devondre Campbell, 69. Darnell Savage, basically a 70. We'll throw him in the 70 camp. TJ Slayton, 71. Colby Wooden, 72. Jair, 75. Kenny Clark, 76. Quay Walker, 76. And then the man of the day... Carl Brooks with an 89.4 grade he had a 59 run defense grade 70 tackling grade but an 87.4 pass rush grade three pressures on 10 attempts and a sack now that those numbers aren't as good as a guy like Devontae Wyatt so why does his pass rush grade so much higher probably has to do with all the other attempts now again Devontae Wyatt pressured on about half of I mean how bad could he have been on those other five he must have sucked whereas Carl Brooks must have just dominated most, if not all, of those 10 attempts and uh, got home on three of them. But looking specifically, run defense, Valentine, Wyatt, and Lucas Van Ness were the the negatives. Kingsley, Kenny, Rashawn, Quay, Jair, and Keyshawn were the highest. Keyshawn and Jair being at the top and then the other guys being, you know, whatever. Uh, Preston Smith and Devontae Wyatt really lacked in the tackling department. Pass rush, the only bad grade was Kingsley. A lot of really positive grades there. And then coverage, the only good grade was Jair with a 73 coverage grade. The only bad grades would be Keyshawn Nixon and Carrington Valentine. 23 pressures in this game, which is pretty remarkable when you figure how many times the guy actually dropped back to pass, which was like 23. (laughs) I mean, legitimately, I think there was 24. Now, some of these are duplicates. You know, if you get two or three guys that are there, they all get added on to that one play, but it's still remarkable. Kenny Clark led the team with five and a sack. Devontae Wyatt, four and a sack. And again, Wyatt, only 10 attempts. Quay Walker, I didn't even notice this. (laughs) Quay Walker had three pressures and a sack. Do you know how many attempts he had? Three. He rushed the quarterback three times, got home all three times, sacked the quarterback down once. Carl Brooks, three pressures and a sack on just 10 attempts. Preston Smith, three pressures on 17 attempts. All of these are fantastic by the way. There's not a single one of these that I've listed that not. Oh, 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 oh. Devondre. Hello Devondre. Two pressures on what is it? Two attempts. My good lord. I I th- this this performance as a unit by our pass rushers was A++ Lucas Van Ness, again one pressure, one sack on just five attempts. Kingsley, one pressure on five attempts. Um Rashawn only had one pressure on 18 attempts that's obviously he's the one that stands out that didn't do very well other than that TJ Slayton zero pressures on 10 attempts now again Rashawn is either being double teamed or is being hooked from behind but you still hope to find a little better than I mean granted basically for 10 percent or a little better you're looking for two pressures he had one but this is kind of what I've been saying for a while if they're going to allocate extra resources to, to chip Rashawn every single play, the other guys need to take advantage, and they clearly are. And what I love about this is going forward, if you're Dallas and you're looking at this, you can't just key in on Rashawn. Kenny's going to kill you. Devontae's going to kill you. We've now got linebackers being sent pretty regularly, and it's working now. It used to never work, and it was just a waste of time. We had five rush attempts by our linebackers, and all five of them got to the quarterback in some capacity. You got Lucas Van Ness and Preston Smith and Carl Brooks. All of them are getting home at very high rates. So what do you do? You just double Rashawn all day? Or maybe don't do that. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, stops. We had three by Quay on the day. Two from Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden, King Barry Carl Brooks, Keyshawn Nixon, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage. As far as the passing game, the the most targeted was Carrington Valentine, five targets, three receptions, 32 yards, and a pass breakup. Not something I'm going to lose sleep over. Jair Alexander, three targets, one reception, 33 yards, pass breakup. Quay, two targets, two receptions, 17 yards. Devondre, two targets, two receptions, 15 yards. Kingsley, one target, one reception, 16 yards. Jonathan Owens, one target, one reception, eight yards. Keyshawn Nixon, one target, one reception, 27 yards. None of that is catastrophic. Nobody gave up a touchdown. Again, we had two pass breakups in the game. Um, other guys that we had in coverage, let's see, that were never targeted. Uh, Darnell Savage, 23 snaps in coverage, zero targets. Now he's, you know, deep safety or whatever, but still. Anthony Johnson, Preston <laughs> Preston Smith, and that's it. Preston Smith continues to dominate in Coverage. You know who's one of our highest rated coverage guys as far as the grade? Rashawn Gary. <laughs> dig it, y'all. So, anyways, good uh good day by the team, I think. Overall, proud of uh proud of the proud of the boys, proud of the grades. Looks all good. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and do a little year-in review. I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit. I think what I'm gonna do is something different than what I planned. I, I, I want to look at the players over the course of the year, and just kind of give it a label. Here is is the, the snapshot of the year. Maybe tomorrow we can work a little bit more on where they rank compared to the rest of the league, which was my plan initially, but I want to get, I really, I'm kind of honed in on this snapshot thing. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Kenyon Drake is the lowest graded player, believe it or not. He had uh played what, 5 snaps, 43 grade. Royce Newman is the next lowest. That guy I cannot imagine will be here next year. I guess he could be. I, I don't I just I, I don't I don't know. He had a 55.7 PFF grade in his rookie year. That went up to a 57, whoop de doo. And then down to a 44 this year. He had one good game against Chicago, which by good game, I mean five snaps, and that was it for him. Um, His last time that he played, he was against Minnesota. He had a 43.9 grade, 18.2 pass blocking, 48.4 run blocking. It's just, it's beyond done. Um, The next lowest would be Henry Pearson. Um, Don't need to dig too much into that one. And then the next lowest is Sean Ryan, ranking 27th. He has a 51.7 grade, 52.5 pass blocking grade, and a 50.2 run blocking grade. Again, I know everybody wants to turn to him. There's no reason to be pounding the table for Sean Ryan. I'm optimistic. We've seen some great things from him. I mean, he's basically, um, what, he's, he's, he's Carl Brooks. I, 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 we, we went through this before, but his pass blocking was 76-0. These are his grades, 76-0. 83, 30, 82, 35. And then it started to level off a little bit. It was 60, 63, 83. Now, maybe he worked out the bugs of all these horrible games every week. And if we can get more consistent with the pass blocking and, and raise the floor, then he's basically a Green Bay Packers offensive lineman. He's he's, you know, a 70 pass blocking, 50 run blocking type of guy which kind of sucks because we got Sean Ryan thinking this guy's going to be more of a run blocking right guard a little bit of a road grader type guy and he his highest run blocking grade this year is a 63.9 so it's a development thing he's 23 years old we're not going to get rid of him we'll, we'll hopefully bring in a whole batch of offensive linemen and we'll see we'll throw him in the mix and see if he can sink or swim and if, if he's not improved then maybe he doesn't make the final cut I don't know We shall see. But right now, he hasn't proved jack Squad. After that is Josiah Deguara. I'm very sad to say that it is time for me to finally give up on this pipe dream. Uh, Josiah Deguara's grades have been 56, 56, 57, and this year a 52. Um, As a receiver, 57, 52, 62, and 55. His pass blocking, 52, 35, 34, 35. Run blocking, 57, 70, 48, 54. This is his by year, 2020. 2021, 2022, and 2023. This year, he only had one good game, and it was against Las Vegas. I mean, it's just – it's it's time to be done. I mean, bottom line, it's just – it's not there. I mean, I think Tucker Craft has had more good games this year than Josiah has maybe had in his entire career. I'm not going to go back and count it because I don't care. But I'm a little, little sad by that. Um, after that, you have John Runyon, which, again – Kind of ticks me off a little bit. 63.5 pass blocking, 50 run blocking. Um, He looks a lot like Sean Ryan as a pass blocker. Just not as bad, obviously. But, I mean, it's like if we go back to uh, week four, 40, 80, 40, 80, 20, 80, 50, 50, uh, 20, 80, 80, 20. And then it's 60, 78. Dude, I don't think he's ever had a game... I, he almost never had a game in the '40s. I'm positive he never had a game in the '20s. I'm just making this up, but I'm, it just it didn't happen. How do you have a '40 game in the '40s against Detroit? '40s against Denver. 29 against LA. 29 against Kansas City and 23 against Carolina. I mean, are we doing something different that you're just not grasping? Is it a Jordan Love thing that's throwing you off? I don't know what it is, but it's just it's really bad. And it's not everybody, it's him. Elton Jenkins is still Elton Jenkins. Zach Tom still Zach Tom. Rasheed Walker is becoming something quite good. Josh Myers has also fallen off, but not quite like John Runyon. This is awful. The last uh, three years, he went from a 72 to a 77 down to a 63 in pass blocking. His run blocking went from a 57 to a 53 to a 50. So, I mean, I don't know how many offensive linemen we can throw into the river. But, um, you know, some of these guys are going to have to come back, but it's just this is trash. It's just absolutely not good enough. Um, and right after that, the next worst player is Josh Myers ranking 24th on the offense. Um, very similar story. He just has less like really high games. He's got a 77 week five and 85 week seven, and then a couple 70s after that. But I mean, this last stretch has been so bad for him. Basically, after week seven, when he had his 85 grade, and he was grading out fine. I mean, this was the stretch when I was defending the guy. I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Um, He's been a really solid pass blocker. I mean, again, he had a 74.3 pass blocking grade last year. Like, that's perfectly fine. He was probably in that range around week seven, probably a similar grade. Then it was 50-50-40, 70-40. 70. And then the really, really awful stretch. And again, I don't know if he had an injury or what. And this is when the Packers started to struggle as well, I will point out. 30, 40, 20, and 9.7. And then he bounced back this week with basically a 70 pass blocking, 65 run blocking. But what in the world happened those four weeks? 30, 40, 29, and 9. Horrific. And a 55 run blocking, I mean, that's, that's him every year. He's not a good run blocker which is obviously very disappointing. Then at 23rd, see if you can guess it, Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford comes in 23rd with a 56 PFF grade. Um, He only has the one passing attempt against Minnesota, which gives him a a 78.4 grade in that game. Unfortunately, he uh, ran the ball once against Chicago. I don't know if that was him taking a knee, and then they gave him a really bad grade. I don't know. He says four run blocking. I have no idea what he was doing out there, but doesn't really matter. We don't need to super dig into that. I didn't even need to click on that. Uh, 22nd is James Robinson. 21st, I'm going to give you a minute. What do you think? 21st is Malik Heath. Malik Heath has a uh, 60 grade, 59 pa- uh, receiving grade, 62 run blocking grade. Malik Heath, kind of another example of, you know, Everybody getting hyped and me being like, "Mm, let's just wait and see how it goes. Malik Heath was basically terrible. And then he had an elite game. And then he was bad and he had a good game and then he was bad. So his grades this year, 50, 50, 50, 30, 50, 50, 94.5, 50, 50, 70, 50, 50, 50. (laughs) I mean, he's wildly consistent with the 50s. And then you add in a 30, a 90, and a 70. Again, you you you'll get a game, maybe two from Malik. I like Malik. He's he's a fiery dude, man. I like him. But you know, whatever. After Malik is Samori Ture. Samori Ture has a 60.6 grade, 61 receiving grade. He had one good game against Detroit. 76.6 was his grade. Otherwise 60, 60, 50, 70, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 60, 30, 50. So Samore, I don't expect to be around too much longer. But again, I don't know how many people we can say that about. After that, the 19th ranked offensive player is Ben Sims. Ben Sims uh, really kind of popped off for a little while there, and then I think kind of went back down probably around the time Tucker Craft started taking off, and now we got Musgrave back and everything else. But um, yeah, Ben Sim- I mean, almost identical. 50s, just imagine the entire sheet being 50s and 40s. And then there was an 82 Week 5, a 71 Week 7, 70 Week 13, and that's basically it. He had three pretty good games. The rest is just eh. But he also doesn't play very much. Then you have at 18th, Yash Nyman. Yash Nyman, 62 grade. He has a 66 pass blocking, 60 run blocking. His pass blocking has actually been quite good. The grades are as low as they are because of just some really, really bad games. I don't know what it With is. I've never seen such low pass-blocking grades. Like, there's something, something here, and I don't know what it is. But otherwise, I mean, he's been really consistent as far as being good. It was 80, 70, 70, 70, 30, 70, 12, 40, and then 80, 65, 70. So basically 70s across the board with an 80 and then a 40, a 12, and a 38, which averages out to a, a high 60, you know, 66. With the run blocking being at sixty, um, if he could have just avoided these catastrophic games, Josh and I would be sitting real pretty. We'd be looking at this as like, man, we got three really good tackles. But at this point, especially with f- you know three years of you know of being able to look at what he can do, there they're just he seems to be pretty consistent in what he is, and what he is is probably a serviceable backup. But I don't know if he's too much more than that. At number seventeen, we have. Patrick Taylor, uh, 62.1 grade, 53.4 receiving grade. Uh, Pass blocking is actually quite good. It's a 61 overall, but he's dominant with just three really terrible games. Kind of impressive to see him do so well um, in a lot of these games, which is probably why he's become like our third down back. Starting to see him out there a ton. And again, you know, Detroit Kansas City and Tampa Bay were horrific, but the rest are like all 80s. So, I mean, he's he's definitely got a knack for that at 6'3", 217, which is probably going to buy him a lot of clout, depending on what we do in the draft and free agency with running backs. Um, I think the Packers are really going to like that. A guy like Patrick Taylor who can run, who can catch, and they really trust him out there as a pass blocker, which is going to be pretty critical. Coming in 16th, Tucker Kraft with a 63.6 grade don't let that fool you though because remember he was kind of awful for 12 weeks so uh, this is something we can kind of look at you know tomorrow or whenever we do it um if we do it because we still want to do laughing at the enemy and get to Detroit, Dallas and all that but let's just run through his first 12 games it was 50 50 50 50 30 50 40 60 40 60 50 that is dog crap is what that is his run blocking blocking was horrific his receiving was horrific the pass blocking was the only thing that kind of worked, but they the tight ends very rarely pass block. Since Week 12, though, 70-70-70, 60-60-70. He's been very good, and it was the receiving that really took off. Took off Week 13 against Kansas City. 70-70-70, 70-70-60 are his grades as a receiver. Um, the pass blocking seems to have taken a step back, but who gives a crap? Run blocking, everyone's been kind of praising him um he's starting it's it's very very intermittent this past game he did get a good grade but the two before that were quite poor so i think it's getting better but i think maybe the hype doesn't quite match um where he's at in his development just ahead of tucker craft and i mean just ahead 63.6 was tucker craft luke musgrave 63.7 he's actually slightly ahead a uh, very similar story, his start was 60-60, 50-50, 50-50, 50, all the way through week eight, and then starting in week nine, and obviously there was a big injury in there, but it's basically 70-70, 60-70. So for a guy that never had a good game, and then three out of out of his four, and one of them's 68.3, but I'll round up, three out of his four games ended up being quite good. Now Chicago was just nine snaps, they obviously were easing him back in, but I mean, he played well, it was actually his highest graded game of the year. So I'm excited to see what they can do with him in the playoffs. I'm sure they that was part of the plan. You know, you go into the game plan, first of all, you don't know if he's even going to be playing 100%. So you don't make him a focal point. And then beyond that, you don't know how he's going to respond and and um be able to go, but I'm guessing they're going to see what he did and say, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to crank that up against Dallas for sure." Coming in 14th, Elton Jenkins. Jenkins has been actually pretty solid. I've been disappointed with the offensive line. Occasionally, I see him with bad grades, and it upsets me. But again, when you do it week to week, you kind of just forget. You know, I see Elton Jenkins with... I mean, his overall grades have been disappointing, but it's largely just because of the run blocking. Um, since week 11, it's 59, 57, 62, 55, 75, 57, 54, 67. But his pass blocking, especially if you look at since week 7, remember, he was injured. Uh, he played weeks 1 and 2, then he went out. Then he played week five, week seven, and he's been in since week seven. So since week seven, his pass blocking grades have been 70, 90, 70, 80, 70, 70, 70, 50, 80, 80, 70, and a borderline 90. I mean, these last four weeks have been his absolute best. So it was like all 70s from week seven to week 13. Then he had kind of one down game. And then it's been all 80s and a borderline 90 the last four weeks. So he is a really, really good pass blocker. The thing that's taken a big step back this year is the run blocking, because he was actually good at that the last two years in a row, 76.4 and 72 this year of 57, and he only had one good game run blocking. So again, I don't exactly know what changes are, are taking place or what, what's going on with the offensive line. Maybe it's because our offensive line guy went to be our offensive coordinator and the new guy is just not very good. I don't know. But I know we have pieces that can perform better than this. And if it's a coaching thing, that would, then that needs to be changed. Because rather than replacing everybody, it would be nice to just fix what we have. Because I know Elton Jenkins can be better than this. Not that I'm complaining about his pass blocking grade, which is actually the highest of his entire career. Kind of flying under the radar with that. But the run blocking should be better, and they need to figure that out. Just ahead of Elton Jenkins, coming in 13th place, Rashid Walker. Notice how we haven't gotten to like almost any skill guy so far. Rashid Walker, 66.4 grade, 74 pass blocking and a 58 run blocking, um, which has gotten better. I would guess if you go from like week nine, it'll be much higher. If you go from week 13, it'll definitely be higher. He does have a bad game week 16, but um, yeah, very, very consistent pass blocking. I mean, there are some like high 60s in here. Only one bad game though against Denver with a 40. There's a 57 week 16 against Carolina, but I mean this is this is some pretty impressive and consistent stuff for a guy that's his first time starting ever. Um, definitely worth exploring how far this can go, especially if the run blocking continues to develop like it has. That'll be again something to kind of look into. Is is you know if we change the weeks to like what's going on since week nine or or week 13, if we see him up like near a 70 uh, run blocking which it could be. I mean, since week 13, he had a 71, 65, 91, and 38, but let's say they cancel each other out, and then 53, and then 73. I wouldn't be super surprised. So Rashid has definitely been... I mean, certainly being a seventh-rounder, he's been impressive. We're not talking David Bakhtiari stuff. I'm, I'm certainly on board with finding a tackle that can be a David Bakhtiari, but as far as a serviceable guy, I mean, he has been at least that. Coming in 12th, Romeo Dobbs with a 69 PFF grade. Um, unfortunately, he has gone south. I mean, he started off hot the first four weeks. It was 78, 65, 74, 72. And then it just went 50, 60, 60, 60, 60, 70, 50, 60, 50, 60, 60 70, 50, 50. Like, it's just, it's average to below average with like a couple decent games mixed in. He's basically had one, two, three good games with his highest being a 71.9 since week four. So I'm not entirely sure what's up with that. He has grown a little bit. He went from a 62 grade last year to a 69 this year. His receiving grade went from a 62 to a 69. So we'll take that as growth. But it's a little little frustrating to see that, you know, whatever since week four, it's kind of gone backwards. Maybe it's just the competition and and uh, trying to find a place for him and, and whatnot, because Again, as I look at it, I mean, to be completely honest, and I like Romeo Dobbs, but everything that we said about Romeo Dobbs, I feel like Wicks is better. Romeo Dobbs is that possession guy. He's your route runner. He's got the good hands. He's he's the one that's going to go up and get it. Maybe Romeo is still a better go up and get it guy, although he's been struggling with that recently. And Wicks is the guy that came down with the balls in this game. I mean, it's just, it's just tough to slot Romeo in there. And, you know, we're talking a fourth-round pick compared to a fifth-round pick. It's not like Romeo was a early first-round pick or whatever. He's a mid-round pick. So I, I I see that as sort of the biggest issue, is just guys passing him up. Again, I would take Dontavian Wicks over Romeo Dobbs in that Romeo Dobbs role. And then you got Jaden Reed, who just has a skill set that Romeo doesn't have. You got Bo Melton, who has the speed that Romeo doesn't have. Christian Watson, obviously, is also in that camp. Again, I, I like Romeo. I just I don't think... There's a single thing that you would look at and say, I think Romeo's that guy. I mean, the only thing that immediately comes to mind would be like that back shoulder fade in the end zone kind of thing. I know they had that dialed in for a while, like super dialed in, but it just, I I haven't seen that same amount of like rhythm and timing type stuff with Romeo Dobbs that seemed to have been there at one point in time. Coming in 11th place, Christian Watson, 69.1 grade. It's down from where he was last year. Unfortunately, the season was the way that it was um he you know the injuries obviously have been devastating he's out the first three weeks comes back week four and five has 60 grades in both then he plays week seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen that's his stretch it's 50 50 60 50 50 right that's not great then christian watson mode engaged 88 grade 89 grade Right. He was on his way to just cruising through stuff. If he'd have been able to continue through the season, and hopefully we see him this week and, and he can continue to redeem himself, but, I mean, he just kicked it into high gear. The guy, I mean, he, he goes from a fifth, from straight 50s to straight 90s, and he was about to light the freaking league on fire, and he, you know, hurts his hamstring again. So, I, I again, I'm still really high on him. It sucks to see basically the overall went down. Oh, overall, everything is yards, targets, uh, touchdowns, grade. But, I mean, the only question I have for Christian has nothing to do with his talent. It has to do with, can he stay healthy on the field? And I know some people will think of that as being an unfair question, but I, I don't think it is. It's just, it's a question that um, we don't know the answer to. So, at number 10, may surprise some people, but this is a big jump. Christian was a 69-1, now we're jumping up to a 75. So, now we're getting into a whole new realm of, like, solidly good. Uh, number 10, Jaden Reed with a 75.1 grade. Now, remember, Jaden Reed is very, a lot of these guys are this way, didn't kick it in until week 10. He had one good game week two, but it was 60-80, that's his good game, then it was 50-60, 50-60, 50-50. It was just, it was not good through nine weeks. Since then, and I already gave some of the stats in terms of how good he was, we might have to save defense for another time. In fact, crap, we need to take a break. I knew this would take a while. (laughs) This stuff takes so long. Let's take a break. We'll come back and finish talking about Jaden Reed. We'll get through the rest of the top 10, and then I guess we'll be done for today. I really wanted to cram this in. We got so much to talk about, but we'll take a break. We'll be right back. So again, I kind of talked about it uh, a little earlier in terms of you know Jaden Reed and where he ranks since week 12 or whatever, but for him, it actually started week 10. So again, Almost all 50s and 60s with that one good game mixed in. Since then, 80, 70, 70, 60, 50, 70, 90, 70. He has been flat out fantastic. I mean, he is a top 20 wide receiver right now since week 10. Jaden Reed is. And he is our, I think, third best wide receiver right now in that same span, which is shocking. So that's your Jaden Reed snapshot. Very similar to a lot of guys, which is why there's so much room, for reason for excitement a lot of these guys didn't even kick in until midseason. And it's not just like it kicked in, you know, 4 weeks ago and there's been three good games. Like it's too small of a sample size. Like any, I'm talking since midseason very consistently good. At number 9, AJ Dillon, surprisingly, at least for me. 75.7 grade, a uh, 68 receiving grade, 56 pass blocking, 76 rushing grade, 56 run blocking grade. Um he he started also getting better as the season went on. We also we all kind of knew early in the season everybody was out on AJ Dillon. He kind of activated around week 5 um and since then he just kind of been pretty consistently solid. I mean he's he's almost got an 80 grade as it is. If you look at him from since week 5, which again we can maybe do another time, I don't know. Um it's uh it's going to be really solid. Now this is technically a a down year. I mean it, it his grades are unbelievable. PFF is obsessed with this guy which is shocking because I hated him as a prospect, and Packer fans, obviously, myself included, don't feel like we've seen this. But his grades have been 78, 86, 81, and this year is a 76, which is his lowest. But it's still really good. I think it's his consistency is what it is. At number eight, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, uh, very similar. Really struggled this year. He had two good games, but starting off the season with all the injuries, week 4, 70, Or excuse me, week 170. Didn't see him again until week four. He had a 50 grade. And then he goes out, comes back week seven. And it's 70, 50, 50, 50, 50, 40. And then he goes out. Then he comes back. And since he's been back this time, so he's been out several times already. Grades are not very good. Since coming back, his first game was a 63. Eh. But then since then, 81, 84, and 80. And since week 12 which is kind of unfair because it really just counts these last four games cuz he didn't didn't play weeks 12, 13 or 14. But whatever, shove it. Number 1 running back. I mean, these last 3 weeks he has been freaking unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. And and you know, again, if 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 these guys can continue this, we got a number 1 running back, number 1 quarterback, three top 20 wide receivers, a top 10 tight end. This is a big freaking deal, man. Number 7, drum roll. Emmanuel Wilson. I was really hoping we'd see a little bit of Emmanuel Wilson. Kind of unfair and biased. He hasn't really played much, just 36 snaps, but it was 50-50. Well, we can call it 60. 60-60-60, and then it was 74-90, and then 60-60. So he didn't really do much, but then he popped off for a couple games, and that boosted his grade. Don't need to dig too much into that. Now we're getting, now we're getting down to it. With a 77.8 grade, the number 6 player, Zach Tom offensive tackle for the green bay packers 77.8 uh just wildly consistent and the other thing is pass blocking and run blocking very unique green bay packer because nobody does that 74 pass blocking grade which is decent for a packer but a 76 run blocking grade he went from he actually went down a little bit 78 to a 74 pass blocking he went up from a 55 to a 76 in his run blocking and it's it's I mean, granted, you know early on he had like three really good games which boosted it a little bit. He hasn't really been bad though. He had one bad game across the board against Carolina, 46 uh 46 pass blocking, 45 run blocking. otherwise that's about it. He had a 43 run blocking against Atlanta, but he's been he's been solid, certainly better than last year as a run blocker. Um, all his sort of elite games seem to be earlier in the season, but he's been solid 70s in both categories most weeks. And that's perfectly fine with me. Coming in at number five, David Bakhtiari. Uh, He only played one game, but the guy is just the biggest freak in the world. 90 pass blocking grade against Chicago, and then a 68.6 run blocking grade. Just looking at his grades over the years, man, this guy is, it's unbelievable. It brings a tear to your eye to really recognize how elite he is. Since 2013, here are his pass blocking grades. 72 as a rookie. 85, 87, 94, 95, 94, 90, 92, 2021 was 72.7, 75, run blocking, whatever. And then he comes right back to it in 2022 with an 89 grade and this year a 90 grade pass blocking. Again, just one game, but still. The guy is, I don't know. I don't know, man. Makes me sad. It's sad the way that that went down. And who knows, maybe he gets healthy, comes back. I, I doubt it, but... Unfortunate situation. All right. Now we're getting into well, we're already in the top five. Number four. Can you even remember who's left? Well, actually, number three is kind of BS. We're kind of down to number three. But number four, Duntavian Wicks with a 78.4 grade, 70, uh, 78 basically receiving grade. He um week one and week four were his only bad games of the year. It was 40. 70, 60, 50, 70, 70, 60, 70, 60, 70, 80, 60, 70, 60, 70. And and a lot of these like 76, 79, 78. These are high 70 games. If you want to get the best snapshot, you could probably look starting around week five. It eliminates his only two bad games. He only had one good game in that stretch. But since week five, no bad games whatsoever. His lowest game is a 63.4, his highest being an 85. Dontavian Wicks is unbelievable, and again, as much as it's kind of a question mark in my mind, like, well, is it really real, or are we just hyping somebody up? Again, Malik Heath, that was one of those things where he got hyped up, and he he had like one good game. I mean, in reality, as far as the grades are concerned, one good game. Dontavian Wicks has nothing but good games, and the route running is there. Everything is there. Now you're seeing the timing syncing up with Jordan Love. It's just, I, I again, I'm not I'm not talking about. Devonte adams but you give me consistent 70s with occasional 80s i'm i am beyond sold give him all the money that he wants i'm i i could not be happier with that number three which is kind of bs as i said it's one snap one play Keyshawn nixon 79 grade all right final top two do you even know who's left you should at number two jordan love which i tell you what if you'd have just told me that Jordan Love would end as the second highest graded offensive player. My my first question would be, well, what's our highest grade? Is it like a a 71? Because that would suck. Jordan Love is the first player on our list so far to crack into the 80s. He ended the season with an 83.0 grade, and he didn't crack even the 70s until week nine. He started the season 60, 60, 60, 60, 50, 60, 60 very consistent, but very consistently average. Since then, 80, 70, 60, 87, borderline 90, 90, 50, 60, 70, 90, 80. He had an 83.2 against LA, an 86.6 against Detroit, a 91.8 against Kansas City, 77 against Carolina, 91, 90.8 against Minnesota, and an 83 against Chicago. And that's not even his passing grade. If you look at his passing grades, he has three elite games since week 13. Basically four since week 12, if you count the 87.9. Four elite games since week 12. Four out of what? Seven. With his lowest being a 65. He only has one bad passing grade this entire game that was against Las Vegas. 47 grade. It's the only game that they gave him a bad grade. Again, you, you look, I think since week 12, when, when he really gets like in the week nine is when he really turned it on week 12 is when he went from good to elite. I kind of saw it as the Kansas city game, but I heard other people even talking. I think it was, I don't know if it's a PFF guy or what they're like, the, the Detroit game is when I realized like, this is for real. And apparently that's true because that's really when, you know, if you look at it, he's the number one quarterback in football. I think his passing grade is number one in the entire NFL since week 12. That is a big, 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 big freaking deal. The grades, at least, are comparable to 2019 Rodgers. And if you look at since week nine, his grades are comparable to 2016 Rodgers, which is his one, two, three, four, fifth best season. Since week nine, Jordan Love is a 90.4 grade. Aaron Rodgers 2016 had a 90.9. His highest, so uh, uh, ahead of that was 2010, 91.6, 91.6, 2014, 91.7, 2011, 92.6, and then 2020 was a 94.7. Now again, being consistent through a full season is is important, but that's kind of my point is I think Jordan Love switched something on. The expectation is this is more of what we're going to be seeing. And to see this in year one is freaking shocking to me. It, it, I, it, 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 it well we got to see. We got to see. We got to see. Maybe he's going to be wildly inconsistent. Maybe he's going to be, you know, it takes him six weeks to rev up kind of like he's a Christian Watson of quarterbacks. I don't really know. But if what we're seeing in the second half is more or less what we're going to see from Jordan through 17 weeks, 17 games, Jordan Love will be an elite quarterback. I mean, he will be a top quarterback in the NFL. He will have seasons that were up there rivaling rogers best seasons he will have MVP seasons we we, and we will be in the discussion to uh to be super bowl caliber team for a very long time that's i mean you want to know why i've been talking about jordan love so much and and why i've been talking about since week nine and all this stuff that's why it is it is massive what he's been able to do and again there there was an addition there was a second step so jordan love went from you know Uh, weeks one through eight being one thing. Then week nine, another switch activated. And then week 12, another switch activated. And from week 12, he has a 91 PFF grade and a 91.3 passing grade. That puts him a little closer to the next rung of 2010 Rodgers, which is a 91.6 grade. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to illustrate how good he's been. I'm just trying to give you a picture of that. Because I, I feel like he's being kind of, like, oh, this this is cute, you know, wow, you know, it's, it's actually impressive, but, you know, he's, he's just this little guy still, and he's not really in the big leagues, like, okay, fair enough if you don't buy it. I, I'm, I, I have my concerns, too, as far as just being a general skeptic, but let's not kid around with what he's been able to do the second half of the year, because it's not just a couple good games. It wasn't just like, well, Kansas City, he played well, and then he was garbage against the Giants and Tampa Bay. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And then he turned it back on against Minnesota and Chicago. Like, well, okay, kind of fair enough. But he turned it on week nine. He's been very good all the way through with two games where he didn't grade out as good, the Giants and Tampa, which again, he was still above average in both of them. So I I, I don't know, man. I just, it's, it's a heck of a thing what he's been able to do. That's all I can say. The throws in that game were so stupid. It's just, it's unbelievable. And I, I just hope that he can keep this up. You know what I mean? I mean, he's going to get a big contract pretty soon. I don't want him to take his foot off the gas, you know, and and start, hey, let's, you know, me and the girl are going to go out and kind of celebrate a little bit. We're going to take some vacations and, you know, I'm going to focus on starting a family and all that. So, I mean, I, listen, I want him to have a great life, but the reason he's as good as he is is because of how intense and how focused he is. And um, this isn't going to continue if he doesn't continue that. And that's not just working by himself, but working with his guys. That's what's gotten us to this point. They're working harder than everybody else. I was, remember my whole critique of Aaron Rodgers and all this stuff, you know, it's like, it's, it's amazing to me that, you know, I, I would say that I want a guy who is one of the highest paid elite athletes in the world to go above and beyond a little bit, you know, and it was like, how dare you? He has the right to just sleep, you know, in, in the middle of a forest, all, uh, all off season. It's no big deal. Like, I don't think it's that big of an expectation. I expect you to be the type of guy that says, while well, you're sleeping, I'm working. Because that's how you get to where you, you want to know why the youngest team in the NFL is in the freaking playoffs? Because they're working when everybody else is sleeping. That's why. We didn't have that before. We had a bunch of really talented guys not giving what they, what, what they needed to give. Not giving us what we know they're capable of, which we still see on defense. And then we got these guys who shouldn't be producing anything in the freaking playoffs, as one of the top offenses in football. Why? Because they put in work more than anybody else right now. Jordan Love, he's got guys over to this house, they're watching tape, and they've been doing this since last offseason. They've been constantly working together. Constantly. Jordan, don't ever stop. You're going to get paid and that's great. But paid don't make you a legend. Paid isn't going to get you a massive statue outside of Lambeau Field. And that's what I want for you. I love that you're going to make a lot of money. I want a street named Love Avenue in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I want a bronze statue. I want to see a bust of you. I want you to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, Jordan. It goes beyond the money. Lots of guys get paid. Big freaking deal. There's a big difference between a guy like Johnny Manziel that gets a paycheck and a guy like Bart Starr. Johnny Manziel didn't get that second paycheck, but he, he made a good amount of money. Uh, Deshaun Watson, whatever. Deshaun Watson's not going to have a statue up anywhere. And that goes for Christian Watson and Jaden Reed and everything. I mean, listen, you, you guys got to understand when you, when you are a top Green Bay Packer, you live on the minds and on the tongues of Green Bay Packers fans. We still talk about Brett Favre and Reggie White and Sterling Sharp and Robert Brooks and Amon Green, Kabir Baja Biamila, Aaron Campman, Charles Woodson, Al Harris, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. We're never going to stop talking about these guys. These guys are immortalized on our minds and on our hearts. You came in, you had a good season, you're going to get a paycheck. Now what? What's the middle of the book? How does it end? And if you think this paycheck is big, wait till the next one. How many paychecks did Aaron Rodgers get? How many extensions did that guy get? Massive extensions. Jordan, you're going to get a big paycheck. The next one's going to be even bigger. Win a Super Bowl. Be a Super Bowl champion standing in the middle of the field, hoisting the Lombardi trophy, bringing it back home. You want to celebrate with your family? Celebrate that with your family. Trip to Jamaica is nice. You know, the Bahamas... Tahiti, whatever. Heck, if I if I got a big paycheck like you, I'd, I'd see all kinds of stuff. But that feeling you're going to have when you hoist that Lombardi Trophy is going to be unlike anything else. Please don't stop. All right, now I'm, now I'm starting to sound like Kyle Brandt. I'm tired of talking about Jordan Love. I want to talk to Jordan Love. Cue the freaking music. Sorry, I'm I'm a, I'm a loser. Um, okay, we'll get to the f- the final one here. Do you know who it is? Do you know Bo Melton, the highest graded player on the offense for the Green Bay Packers? Um, He played against Detroit just two snaps, had a 59 grade. Whatever, doesn't really even count. Week 15 is when he gets his first opportunity. He gets 18 snaps, 14 of them as a receiver, four of them as a run blocker. He gets an 82 run blocking grade. And a 65 receiving grade ends up with a 69 overall grade. Like, all right, dope. So we're going to give him even more opportunities against Carolina. He goes from two snaps to 18 snaps, up to 25 snaps. In this game, 15 times he is a receiver. One time he's a run blocker. uh, Runner or a rusher. Nine times he's a run blocker, whatever. 79 PFF grade, 76 receiving grade. Okay. Okay. How about we give him another opportunity and more opportunities, 49 opportunities to be specific, 24 as a receiver, 25 as a run blocker. He has a 90 PFF grade, 90 receiving grade. Let's do it again. Chicago, 45 opportunities, has a 78 grade. The guy has never been anything other than very good since he's been on a field. I mean, he's not technically a rookie, but this is his first time playing. He's played in four games. And his lowest grade, if I mean, depending on what you want to call the cutoff for, for counting anything, is a 68.8 PFF grade. Is his lowest. Incredible. I want to talk to you, Bo Melton. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'm kind of tired. I ain't to go to bed. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.